One of the joys of having a podcast about Hollywood is the people you meet. Through a mutual friend, thanks Lisa, it was arranged for me to interview Ed Asner in 2017. Mr. Asner passed away leaving a legacy of 406 credits as an actor. But calling him simply an actor is like saying there's only one color in a box of crayons. He was so much more. Activist, father, producer, philanthropist, and consummate actor. His legacy stretches back decades and will live on decades more. Please enjoy this rebroadcast of my interview with Ed Asner. Hi, Mr. Asner. Thank you very much for uh, agreeing to talk to me. I do appreciate it. Well, I do it with a great deal of reservation. <laughs> so you were in the Army Signal Corps. Was that where you first got involved with acting? No, I was an actor before that. Okay. Um, and you went into the Army. Did you do any acting in the Army, or did was that all just straight service? Well, I was at Fort Monmouth, and I went to the... Uh, special service officer there, and I said, I'm an actor, I'd like to get into special service. He said, we're 50 miles from New York City, we don't need you. <laughs> so I stayed in the Signal Corps. Okay. Uh, I, you know, in looking at your IMDb page, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to have 384 credits. Uh, you have 20 or more or, or around there in post or pre-production I, it's just incredible. I, I don't even know where to begin to ask you. How do you? How? What do you attribute your longevity to the to the craft? Is I, I I don't understand how somebody can make that many productions over that many years and still have twenty plus in in uh, in pre production or production. I, do you have a secret? Uh, yeah, never say no. <laughs> you and Michael Caine, I guess, huh? <laughs> Does he do that? Yeah, well, you know, I that's me too. I never say no to anything. I'm 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 pretty much uh I'll do anything. So, um was there anything was there ever a time in your life where you thought um my career is over and um I mean, was there were there fallow times where you really started to self-doubt what you were doing? Well, there was a time there where I I hit a couple of years dry spell. Had a family by then, and my son talks about it, getting up, get the uh, L.A. Times uh, Sunday edition. Mm. I'd go over the one ads. Oh, wow. To see what I could uh, bolster my earning capacity with. Right, right. And it was either uh, something that needed uh, education Mm -hmm. or experience. Mm -hmm. And none of those cases could I qualify. Mm. We went through a uh, a year of looking through the one ads, and then finally uh, I got busy again. Oh. Was there ever a time where you thought you wanted to do something else? or I mean, you say you weren't qualified, but you're obviously a pretty intelligent and articulate man. You could have probably done just about anything you wanted to. Was acting always it? Yeah. Okay. It definitely was, and uh, there, there were no uh, welcome home signs. <laughs> Any of the one ads. 
So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the Mary Tyler Moore, Lou Grant um, generation. I, I loved both of those shows and I loved uh, everybody in them. You know, it was a real tragedy when, when Mary passed away. I've been watching the Dick Van Dyke show on Netflix. I've been binge watching it. She was just incredible. What was your thought when you were asked to do a dramatization of a comedic character? Well, I, uh, I was so braced by the uh, care and writing of the uh, producer writers mm-hmm. of Mary Tyler Moore that uh, when they wanted to go straight, I said, well, hell, they, they're geniuses. They'll take care of me. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. As it turned out, they didn't know what the hell they were doing either. <laughs> yeah, well, don't you feel that's pretty much the entire business uh, of Hollywood? <laughs> Just Somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Now. So we embarked on the the fact that they wanted to do an hour show. Mm -hmm. I said, fine, well, you're geniuses. You'll take care of me. Right. They didn't know what they were doing either. Nobody hired had ever done an hour series at that time. Mm -hmm. They'd done specials. They'd done movies. They'd done half-hour shows. But they really had no experience running an hour show. Mm Mm-hmm. Learned by trial and error. The two creative producers that I had asked to produce the hour show mm-hmm. had such infinite faith in them, and they had drilled us and drilled us while we did the seven years of Mary Tyler Moore. Ah. We don't change a comma, we don't change a the or an and. Huh. Uh, so we were very tightly forced uh-huh. into infinite trust in what they were writing. Uh-huh. As our director, Jay Sandridge, said it when we made Mary Tyler Moore, if we complained about a scene or if we didn't like the particular lines of a scene, mm-hmm. we said, let's show it to them, he said, and they'll see where the fault lies and uh, they'll know that we're unhappy and they need changes. Mm-hmm. In most cases, they provided the changes. In others, they said, this is the way it goes. So we made it work. Well, that's great. I guess that's part of the collaborative uh, nature of Hollywood is if you can get that, I think that's wonderful that they ask. At least you have the opportunity to be asked. So Yeah, and it, and it worked with them. Right. I must say what I went on to do after that, other shows, I found that, uh, that uh, they were not the creators, and therefore my individual input came into play. Mm-hmm. I would change a line here, change a line there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found that it worked. Mm. Uh, so it was only with those two guys as the mentors, as the drivers. Mm-hmm. And it, it did not work for every show. But you're known for your, you know, a lot of your characters are very curmudgeonly. How much of that is you? Is that the way you present yourself or is that something Well, you... I think it's become me. Uh-huh. I think... Uh, what people find so darling as Lou Grant, mm-hmm. I perpetuate it and add to it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it works as Ed Asner. Is that how you got up? I was I was curious about how you landed the. I mean, Pixar must be a great company to work for. Obviously, they're they're quality people. How how did that yeah, how did yeah. that come that, or did you know somebody over at Pixar? No, I didn't know anybody at Pixar. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, ordinarily. My voiceover agents at the time submitted me along with God knows how many others. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out, as I discovered later, that uh, I was doing a one-man reading of a wonderful play by Emily Beck mm. called uh, 
numbers of people mm-hmm. about the Holocaust. And it dealt with a, an individual who uh, was going through uh, sure. dementia. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tragic piece, but it's a very important piece. And I was doing a reading for the uh, Jewish charities of an Alameda. Mm-hmm. That's very close to Pixar's home base. And it turned out my two producers uh, 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 decided to catch my one-man show mm-hmm. at this benefit. Oh. Uh, so they saw me in this one-man tragic reading. And that uh, that clinched my getting uh, car. Career. Obviously, a whole new generation discovered you from uh, that. I mean, was voice acting another aspect of your career? And as, is that equally as satisfying as the acting you've Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's probably uh, probably easier, too, right? It's, it's as fine and as thorough a means of expression and existence as anything on camera. So you were you're a, you're a former president of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, and during that time, I, I'm reading that you were very politically charged. Do you feel like actors have a role in politics uh, besides the normal one that everybody does as a good citizen? I mean, do you feel like actors have a bigger, uh, pul- a larger pulpit, bigger horn to 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 make points about politics? Well, uh, I do feel that. At the same time. Uh, they will be made to pay the price sure. for getting involved. Sure. So it's as I did. Yeah. That you want to talk a little bit about that, or would you rather not uh, cover that? I don't mind. Okay. I, I just I don't know the circumstance that many of the circumstances. How do you feel that you uh, you paid the price for your political uh, you know uh, the, the the opinions that you held and and expressed? Well, I I was blacklisted for a while. Uh huh. And. Uh, I um, I don't know what there uh, what there is to say. As my agent at the time said, uh, he really thought I had finished my uh, my stint as an actor mm. uh, because of my political involvement. Mm. And it's only because I stayed in there, slugging and uh, pushing back, so to speak, mm-hmm. that I survived and uh, eventually began to get jobs again. I just did a profile on William Goldman, who was also blacklisted for expressing opinions in Hollywood. It pretty much destroys a career, and thank thank God you you and he were able to come back from that. Well, he was magnificent. I I, I thank you for conjoining me with him, but uh, I uh, I bow down to him. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so you you have seven. I believe you have seven Emmys for oh, your yeah. work. Was what's the? I mean, are they all equally as uh, as exciting, or was the first one the best? I, there's a there's a. I never get tired of. It. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Always happy to receive a new one, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> what? Uh, so you you've been in television, obviously involved in the business for quite a while. What do you think of the today's television as opposed to the television of the '80s and the '90s? Do you do you feel like this is a renaissance, or do you feel like it's stepping over borders? What's your opinion about uh, movie, shows like Game of Thrones and The Sopranos and shows like that that really push the envelope? Well, I watched The Sopranos and I loved them. Mm. I loved Seinfeld. They were all discoveries and extensions of whatever we had started or 
participated in. Mm-hmm. I, um, I I I don't watch that much now because I'm I'm hard of hearing and I haven't remedied that. I don't go to the movies and I don't watch that much TV at home mm-hmm. because of this hang-up. And and also also I I would say that that uh, uh, even even with the hearing impairment that. Um, Sound mixers aren't doing their job as well as they should. Mm-hmm. They don't blow the whistle when uh, lines are mumbled or inadequately presented. Mm-hmm. And uh, that causes us to lose a lot of it. I agree. How did you avoid getting pigeonholed? I mean, you've done comedy, drama, uh, you've done, you know, you've done the plays. Well, when I first started in Hollywood, uh-huh. my agent and I stuck with drama because that's how you were chosen or discovered for uh, series, etc. Mm-hmm. I did very few comedies because uh, that can scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a professional, uh, you don't know how funny you are if you are funny. Mm. So I, uh, I avoided comedies in terms of film. Mm-hmm. Then along came Mary Tyler Moore, and uh, how did that come about? Uh, once again, I uh, I was called in to read. It turned out that Grant Tinker, the executive producer mm-hmm. of Mary Tyler Moore, had seen my work while he was at Twentieth, mm-hmm. and recommended me to the producers. And they in turn asked Ethel Weinert, in charge of talent at CBS, and mm-hmm. it asked her to do comedy, and. Um, Without a great deal of knowledge, God love her, she said he can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So they brought me in for a reading, and I read Lou. And um, after the reading, Jim Brooks said, uh, well, that was a very intelligent reading. And I said inwardly, yeah, but it wasn't funny. Yeah. So when we have you back to read with Mary, we want you to read wild, wiggy, all out funny, all out crazy, you know, this and that. And I said, uh, well, at least I come back to read with Mary. <laughs> uh, but then uh, I thought, oh, what do they want me to do? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So I started to walk out and I turned around and I said, look, why don't you have me try it that way now? And if I can't do it, don't have me back. Right. Well, I've never talked that way before since. But they said, okay, we have another reading to do, but go ahead. So I read it again, and this time I read it like a real machuguner. <laughs> and uh, uh, they laughed appreciatively and said, uh, do it just like that when you come back. Wow. So I uh, waited a week or two to come back. And all the time I said, what the hell did I do? What did I do? I can't remember. So I came back and Mary was there and I read it like a Michigander again, trying to remember as best I could. And uh, they laughed again and uh, they thanked me. Uh, Later on, I discovered that Mary turned to them and said, are you sure? And they said, that's your Lou Grant. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, I just played not too long ago from my classes the opening, the pilot for the Mary Tyler Moore show where you meet Mary for the first time in the office. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That's just genius. Just, uh, well, we were inspired. I yeah. We were inspired. Well, I mean. And it worked. 
magic. It was magic is what it was. And that's, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, it's hard to quantify why all that stuff comes together, except that when you get good talent uh, and you put them all together, that sometimes does happen. So, Well, we, we both of us had energy. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. We did have energy. And, and as I said at the time, when I got that laugh of I hate spunk, <laughs> uh, it uh, it was like the laugh that came out of the 300 people in the audience <laughs> was was so powerful and so great. And I felt I could command those people to jump off a cliff <laughs> and they would take my advice. I, I was doing Mary. I then did... Uh, um, Rich Man, Poor Man. Mm, great little uh, movie. Was one of my great favorites. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I didn't think that they'd choose me, but I, I asked to uh, be considered for uh, Roots, mm. same director. And uh, well, they, uh, they said they did want me, and they thought that I would be good as the first mate. Well, in my own mind, I felt I had done those kind of guys before. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to branch into something yet new again. I said, how about the captain? A well-spoken English gentleman who uh, who I had not been seen as before. Mm-hmm. So they thought about it, and they came back, and they said, fine. Wow. If you don't ask, you, you'll never know, right? So ask for uh, that. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right, I, I just have really one more question, and I the reason that you and I are speaking was because of your daughter and also a friend of mine who uh, was at the Oddfest. Can you talk a little bit about your work with Oddfest or with autism and why it's so important to you? Well, my youngest son mm-hmm. uh, is autistic, high-functioning, mm-hmm. and uh, so I came to know autism through him. Then my oldest son, who is vice president of the Autism Society, mm-hmm. has two sons, and his youngest one is also autistic, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, less high-functioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had been around the problem a number of times and involved with it. I, I realized the, the difficulties with it. My son ended up with um, Chapel Haven, in Connecticut, mm-hmm. which tends to guide uh, uh, older kids, young adults, mm-hmm. uh, as well as school them. And while he was there, he also took courses at the University of Southern Connecticut. Wow. And got a, uh, a BA while he was there. So you have a personal connection. We do. But I mean, you know, even with that, there's a lot of actors who don't lend their support to, to uh, stuff like that. I mean, why do you? Why is it so important to you to be? You're you're an activist. You're a man who doesn't sit by the, the by the sidelines. Why is that so important to you? Well, because of my own, of course. Mm-hmm. But also because these are valuable people. It is valuable people to uh, to both teach them how to survive in society, mm-hmm. particularly with cops. Mm-hmm. And, and to, uh, to teach society that if you look past the nose picking and the <laughs> farting and the belching that they might perform in front of you, uh, to go beyond that and use their wonderful personalities and brains. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, 
as the as the uncle of a special needs uh, boy, I totally I totally get what you're saying. They're just they're great yeah. great people. So they are. All right, one more one more question for sure, and then I'm going to let you go. Sure. So, work. what's I mean? I've been in this business for 20 years. Uh, it's a really really hard business. But how, what's your best advice for people starting out? Uh, I mean, what would you say to any writer, director, producer, actor, anybody who's starting in this business? What's your best advice for them? Learn everything. Ah. Uh, when I came to California and started working in the business, I found the crews that were, uh, uh, I think every one of them had come to to take part in in showbiz mm-hmm. in the hopes of being an actor or something akin to that. Mm-hmm. And when they couldn't do that, then they gravitated into wardrobe, into makeup, into, into uh, uh Sound yeah. in the camera and found their calling there. So I, I would say whoever whoever is going in, learn every aspect of the business that you can, and use it where you can. Show your intelligence mm-hmm. and uh, employ it, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll find a home in showbiz. Mm, uh, from your from your lips to God's ears, as they say. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Asner, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I, I can't tell you what a thrill it's been. I, I I'm just such a fan. I've always been a fan. Um, okay. And uh, I think I'm just as much of a fan of the man as I am of the any acting or any character. So, uh, That's very kind of you. no, no, no. God bless you and, and your family. And my thanks to you and to Liza. I'm really, yeah. really thrilled that we finally got to talk to you. So, thank you. Knock them on their ass. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bye. Nice talking. Nice you. talking to you, sir. Bye.